0: Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So in case you're wondering, yes, um, so about about a month and a half ago, Aaron, Aaron, where are you at? Aaron, say hi. Aaron's our children's director over here, Erin, she sent me a text and she was at um, a a heavenly place. She was at Bucky's and uh, she said this, She, she took a picture of a shirt and she said, if I, if I buy you this shirt, will you wear it for Easter Sunday? And I said, yes, I will. And so this is my Bucky's Easter shirt on Sunday. How about it? Yes, yes, yes. What? I'll show the back. Well, this is getting awkward. What does the back say? Something about my feet. Oh, but did you die? Oh. <laughs> did you die? D-Y-E. That's pretty awesome. So D-Y-E, did you die? So there you go. There you go. All right. Well, listen, uh, happy Easter, you guys. Uh, if we're not here and we can't have fun, then we've come to the wrong place because he is risen. Isn't that amazing? He is risen. He is. He is. I was thinking about it on the way here this morning. I was driving in and I was thinking, man, what would my life be without Christ in my life? How would my life look without Christ in my life? What exactly, where would I be right now if there was no Christ? What if the resurrection never happened? What would my life be like? What if no one ever took the time to tell me about Christ? What would my life be like? And I mean that genuinely and sincerely. Sincerely. I would be a train wreck without Christ. He has come and given me new life, and He can do the same for you as well. He can give you new life, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at new life that He can give to you. I want to tell you a quick story, Um, and and some of the people that know me very well know this. Um, I was an awful student. Are you with me? Like when I say awful... I'm talking about, is he or is he not going to make a D in order to pass the grade? All right, I was one of those kids, um, and so I'll never forget this. And I can, I can actually, I can, if I close my eyes, I can really see myself. I was on the floor of my fifth grade class in Miss Hooper's class. All right, Miss Hooper, Miss Hooper. Hated my guts. She did. And looking back, I don't blame her. I don't blame her. I was the class clown. I know that surprises no one. I was the class clown. And so I literally was on the floor. Now, the desk they have today, you couldn't pull this off. All right. Because the desk they have today, they just have the little grate underneath it where you slide your books in. But back in the day, you would put the books in a hole. Are you with me? The hole, it was surrounded all around. And there was one little thing on the other side. You could view it. You could, like, view in. But there was a little hole. It was a wooden desk. And, there, and here's what would happen: I literally had papers all over the place around my desk. I looked like Pigpen. You know Pigpen, Charlie Brown, the big thing of dust? I had papers all around my desk. And my desk, I literally would get something back and I would just shove it in my desk. And here was my go-to move. If I hadn't done the assignment, you know what I would do? I would say, I need to look for it. Now, Ms. Hooper and I both knew that it wasn't in that desk. All right? She would roll her eyes, and she would say, okay, you can go look for it. And so I would get down on my hands and knees... And I would take the first piece out and I'd look and I'd go, nope, that's not it. Put it aside. Next piece. Nope, that's not it. And she'd say, she'd call me Mr. Williams. I was in fifth grade. I thought that was a little inappropriate, but whatever. You know, she hugged everybody else. She couldn't stand me. Mr. Williams, she called like, especially the girls. She loved the little girls. Oh, hey, Katie. Oh, my gosh. Haley, how are you? Mr. Williams, how's your day? <laughs> That's what she would say. So I knelt down, and I would pull out piece by piece by piece, and there was trash falling all over the place, all over the back. And then I would find a piece of candy, and I would like, heck, yeah, I got candy. She goes, we're not looking for candy, Mr. Williams. We're looking for your assignment. And so, in the end, with all the paper out, she knew and I knew that I didn't have the assignment. It just wasn't there. I was going to a well there of paper that the assignment wasn't there. And I would get a zero, and I would not get to play recess, and recess was the bomb, and I couldn't play it. It was the only grade I passed Is recess. It was the only thing I passed. The only class I passed was recess and lunch. And um, I was a terrible student. I was. I was an awful student. But, man, let me tell you something. Let me tell you where the glory hit. Here's where the glory hit. I came home. My mom and I, listen, they didn't do midterm reports. Okay, We had six weeks instead of nine. They didn't do midterm reports. You were on your own, okay? And there was no email or anything like that. So your parents were shocked at the grades. Well, maybe your parents weren't. My parents were always, my parents were never really shocked, but they acted shocked. And the worst thing about it is both of my brothers were really smart, and especially my middle brother, who's always been an overachiever because he has self-esteem issues. Are you with me? <laughs> I'm just kidding. He doesn't really, kind of he does. But seriously, I, I so I ended up, I'd come home, and I was always the first one, and my mom, would, mom wouldn't say anything. Oh, how are you doing? And I had, man, I'm not kidding you, man. It was, we used to call them flags, all right, flying the flag. That was an F, all right. And uh, I got a few of those, and I got some Ds. And so I ended up, I would come in, and, and I would go to my room, and I'd go outside and play. Uh, and the reason why is, is because my mom never, fig- she never kept up with when the report cards were coming out. Until my stupid brothers got home, and they drove from the high school, and they would get home, and they'd come in, and my mom would yet do this. I'd be back in the back plane. She'd go, James Barry, you come here, and I'd walk in. I'd go, What, mom? What's going on? I told you guys I had a lisp. What's going on? And she'd be like, Where's your report card? And I'd go. This one time, I was on the bus with my brother. I was in third grade. And my brother, my brother Jeff, I think he was in eighth or ninth grade, and he said, hey man, he said, um, you know, if you take a pen the same color as the F, you can make it a B. Did I tell you guys I was an idiot back then? <laughs> the teacher had written in black ink F. And all I had was a blue pen. (laughs) So, it was C in black, D in black, D in black, C in black, and two blue (laughs) B's. And my mom was like, Barry did the, and you know how you're a kid you write like you write with your foot, right? You you write really bad. And so, she said, listen, she said, "Did, did the teacher run out of ink or something? And I said, she must have, I don't know. Know what happened. I don't know what happened. And so finally my brother snitched on me and I got whooping for that one. But she would call me in and I would drop my head. And then she'd say the horrible words that no one wants to hear. Wait till your daddy gets home. All right. Now let me say something about my dad. My dad had his flaws, but he chose his favorite son well, and that was me. And he'd come in and he'd bring me back to the back room. And he'd sit down and we would talk and he'd say, son, you know you can do better than this. You're just lazy. And everything he was saying was true. You're just lazy. You can do this. You can do that. And I, and all, I didn't hear anything he said. The only thing was going through my mind or is he, is, is he or isn't he going to whoop me? That was all I cared about. I was all about the licks, man. I, I wanted to know if I was taking the beat down or not. All right. And on this particular day, he decided that no, I would not get a spanking for having two F's, two D's, and two C's. He got so bad one time that my dad said, Look, let me tell you what I'll do. I'll give you a dollar for every C, two dollars for B's, and three dollars for A's. No motivation. I had no, I, literally, I got like two bucks. Like out of the whole thing, over a whole year, I got two bucks. I was a horrible student in fifth grade. Uh, I finally in 11th grade got smart, I don't know what happened, but I did, and there you go. I, the rest is, here I stand before you, being the brilliant man of God I am, right? <laughs> I hated school. I still do hate school. I'm the most educated person who hated school. I hated school. I taught school for four years, and I hated it then, too. I did. I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it. I really, I really do hate school. Um, I guess I should have told the guys here this before I helped oversee the school here but i do i'm not a big fan of school i'm not i'm not it's always bad because anytime there's a question about can the students get out for something or can they go off campus i'm like yes let them go man let them go let them out they're all good anyway but no listen one of the things i love doing you guys and i know you may remember this too i loved i love the reset are you with me i love the reset You guys know what a reset is? A reset is whenever, whenever you start a new six weeks and your everything is back even again and you have another opportunity, you have a reset. And here's the key, everything is wiped clean. Everything is. And suddenly, and it was always so great, after I realized he wasn't going to spank me, Man, it was like jubilation all over, and you know, we'd walk out, and Mom would go, "Did you spank him?" And he would go, "No, he said he's going to do better." I knew I wasn't going to do better, but he said, "He said you're." He knew I wasn't going to do better, but he said, "He said he was going to do better." And here's what's amazing about that is is I don't remember the times that my dad celebrated with me for successes as much as I remember the grace that my dad gave me for the failures. Are you with me? Are you with me on that? Parents, don't forget that. It's important. It's important. Don't forget that. But we got to reset, man. I don't know if you guys do this, but Wendy and I, back when, back when we had children at the home, they came back last night and they're leaving this afternoon. Anyway, but I'm just kidding, we're glad you guys are here, we love you guys, just let us know when you're leaving. Anyway, man, that empty nest thing will get you, won't it? Empty nest, right? Empty nest, man, you, you grieve them for like a month, and then it's like, why are they here? Hey, what are you coming? When are you leaving? What time? Anyway, but listen, so Wendy and I used to have a rule that, you guys ever had a bad morning, like a really bad morning? Wendy and I had this rule that, and we haven't used it in a long time, um, But we would have something we called the reset button. And at any time, at any time, if we were in an argument, if we were, if the kids were arguing and fussing and fighting or whatever, at any time, Wendy and I could say, hey, we're hitting the reset button. And once we said that, we would stop what we're doing, go and sit down, all right, hitting the reset button. That means everything we've done in the past, everything we've done prior is forgotten and this is a new start. And that's what we would do when I was in school. That's what we would do. When I was in school we would hit the reset button. We would hit the reset button and I had a new opportunity. It was a new opportunity where I could once again once again not fear and not have dread of what's coming down the pike. This is what 2 Corinthians 5:17 says. It'll be behind me on the screen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a what? A new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. If you're here breathing today, i have good news for you. You can have a reset. You can have a begin Again. Your very ugly, nasty, uh, depraved, all of those things in your life can be wiped clean. But you have to realize a few things. And today I want to talk to you about a couple things I want you to realize. Because I don't want you, a lot of people here are probably followers of Christ or maybe some that are not, I don't want you to be lied to. And I don't want you to think that everything just kind of gets easy, but there are some things about Christ that I want to tell you. And the first one is this is this. I want you to listen. Jesus loves us individually. I want you to get that. I don't want you to miss that. Jesus loves us individually. He does. A lot of people think that, a lot of people think that Jesus uh, loved the world, you know, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and we know John 3:16. A lot of people think that Jesus just loves us universally uh, because that's who he is in general. But that's not who he is. He loves you and he loves me individually. I remember when I was a student pastor, uh, I would have these little girls come up. You know, They were like tenth, 11th grade and they'd go, oh my gosh, Pastor Barry, guess what? And I said, what? And they'd say, my boyfriend told me that he loved me. And I had to break the news to him, like, listen, he's a teenage boy. He loves you, and he loves pizza, and he loves video games, and he loves cars. All equal. (laughs) All equal. But, man, those little girls would hang on that. It would be like, oh, my gosh, he loves me. And I'm like, I mean, seriously, like, you and Papa John's are right there together. (laughs) Literally. Literally. They are. Because that's how teenage boys are. That's how they are. We get confused. We get confused just like little teenage girls do. We get confused about God's love for us. He loves us individually. For so long in my life, I looked at God's love as being conditional. I looked at it being, well, if you do this, then I'll do that. If you do this, then I'll do that. If you perform for me, if you do all the right things, if you, if you read and you study and you make sure you go to church all the time and, and all these checklists, if you do all those things, then I will love you. But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus' love is not conditional at all. It's not conditional at all. And I want to tell you something. That really ticked off the religious people back in his day. And I want to tell you another little secret that no one's going to tell you. It kind of ticks off the religious people today, too. It really does. You know, because what they do is is they have this formula of how you get to God. And they have this formula. And they say, hey, this is how you're supposed to go. And you're supposed to do this and supposed to do that. And you're not supposed to do this. And you're not supposed to do that. And all of those things. Can I tell you something? Jesus knows you and I are a bunch of screw-ups. He knows that. You know, I, um, when I got married um, we were going through some premarital counseling and those kind of things. And I, I really, this really did change my life. And I tell this story often, but it changed my life. But I had always thought that love was all conditional. And so, I needed to be a certain person and act a certain way. And so, I was, I was going through premarital counseling with Wendy and we had gone to her, we I mean, may have been Easter, we had gone to her, her home. Uh, in Texarkana, Texas, and we drove down there, and um, there was something that happened. I don't know what happened, but we were already engaged, and something happened. And immediately fear washed over me. Because here, guys, I don't know how you guys were, but the minute that I got engaged to Wendy, my whole thought process was, dude, don't screw this up until the wedding, you don't just whatever you do, don't screw up. All right. Just hope between now and, and I was like, Hey, let's get married. Like tomorrow, get married in August. And she was like, no, we're waiting to December. I said, no, let's get married in August. She was like, no, don't ask me again, December. And I said, okay, let's get married in December. Um, so my whole process was, Hey, listen, don't screw this whole thing up. All right. And as I've already mentioned, I have a high propensity to screw things up. Okay. So I don't know what happened, but something happened. And, and Wendy, Wendy and I had a discussion. You got, you know, I have a discussion, not an argument, but a discussion. If you're Christians, it's a discussion. If you're not, it's an argument, but we had a discussion. And uh, um, so we, we ended up talking. And when we did, uh, she, it, her, it's like a light came on to her and she was like, wait a minute. You know, I, I want you to know, I love you unconditionally. I want you to know that. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, look, I know you, I know Basically, she said, look, I know you're screwed up. All right. That was the gist of it. I know you're screwed up, but I want you to know something. I love you anyway. And she also said, trust me, after five or ten years, I'll fix you. So don't worry about it. (laughs) So she, she, no, she said, not yet. She hates me. She hates me. Anyway, anyway. So, but it did. I, I, uh, I didn't understand. I didn't understand that until then, and that changed my life. It changed my whole life because I'd never, I'd never experienced that in my life, even as a follower of Jesus. And then from that point I was like, wow. And I started studying and reading, and I was like, wow. Jesus really loves me unconditionally, and He loves me individually. What does that mean? It means that He doesn't love me. He does love me in general, But he loves me specific. And here's what you get when you say specific. I'm talking about he loves me even when I'm at my worst. And he loves me and he knows me well enough that he's willing to walk through life with me and mold and guide me and direct me and help me even in my screwed upness. And that's what I love about Christ. It's not an in general thing. It is an individual thing. And the second point goes right along with the first, and it's this. Because he loves me individually, because he loves me individually, Jesus isn't trying to fit me into some religious mold that someone has created along the way. He's not. He's not. Can I tell you one of the things I love about this church? And if you're visiting, I want you to know this about this church. This church is just crazy enough not to say a word when the pastor wears a Bucky's Easter shirt. <laughs> and that's a fact. That's a fact. How many churches do you think I could wear a Bucky's Easter shirt and preach on Sunday? Not many. Not many. You see, I always used to think that I needed to be this way or that way, and I needed to be in this mold in order to be holy, and then this mold in order to be a pastor. And the religious people back in the day, they thought the same thing. What they would do is they have these big robes, and they would put scriptures all over the robes, and they would walk through town, and they were very pious. They had these hats on that they would walk through town, and they were the ones that were holy, and they would look down on the people that did not fit their religious mold. And I'll tell you what, Jesus came and shook all that up. He did. I've often said this to church, I've often said, listen, I don't ever want real church to be a church where when you come down front and want to surrender your life to Christ, that we try to take you and shove you through a mold of what we think a Christian looks like so that you pop out on the other side like some clone. Can I tell you that God's more creative than that? Oh, my gosh. He's more creative than that. Let me tell you a story. Uh, My neighbor across the street to the left is a a good and godly man. They're a great family. But he and I, we we joke around a lot. And uh, one day, I was mowing the lawn outside, edging the grass. And I love my grass. Please don't drive on it if you come to my house. But I love it. And I was out there manicuring it. And... um, so I looked over and there was this big, huge car that had pulled up. And there was, and let me say something, guys, it was 5,000 degrees outside. All right, it was so hot. All right, I mean, it was burning up. I was drenched with sweat. And I looked over and I saw my neighbor Steve talking to three men, all in three piece suits, and all with their hair that they needed to just shave, they needed to shave it like I have. But it was combed way over. They had hair from like over here, over here. Are you with me? It was combed over. And so I'm looking over at Steve, and I'm doing the edging of the yard. And all of a sudden, I turn around and look, and Steve's going, and he's pointing at me. <laughs> and I go, you know, and imagine. And Steve's like, he's pointing at me. And so I come over, and I, I, you know, I did the thing where you guys ever do this, where you're like, you keep working and pretend like you don't see him, and maybe they'll leave. I did that. It didn't work. So I stopped. I was like, all right. right, I'll, I'll." And so these guys, and they meant well. They really meant well. But they said this. They said, brother. And I knew when they said brother, I was toast. I was like, this is over. I'm going to be here for a minute. Brother, how are you? And I said, I'm really hot and sweaty. You know, I'm working out here. And I looked over, and Steve was just dying laughing. And I said, well, how are you? And he said, oh, we're doing good. Brother, we want to invite you to our friend day. And I said, well, when is it? And he said, well, it's the 26th. And I said, well, the 26th is a Sunday. They said, it sure is, brother. Where do you go to church? And I said, well, I'm actually a pastor. And then he said this, that's okay. Your church won't mind you skipping a Sunday and coming to our friend day. And I was like, no, I think they would. I think they would mind. I think that might be an issue. And so they, they, I ended up, I started talking to him. And there was just one guy. He was very intense. Are you with me? He was intense. And I was trying to joke around with him. And, I, you know, I wanted to kill Steve, but I was over to joke around with him. And I said this. I said, well, good luck, guys. I hope you have a great friend day. And all of a sudden, the guy said, brother, I got a question for you. And I said, Okay. I thought he was going to say, how do you get your grass so clean? So, you know, it looks so nice. No, that wasn't what he asked. He said, brother, at your church. And he looked in real close. He said, do you use the King James Bible? And I looked at him. And I said, no, we don't. And there was a long pause. And then I said this. Does your church use the King James Bible? Yes, sir, we sure do. And let me tell you why we use it, brother. And he went on for about 15 minutes telling me why they use the King James Bible. He did. And why everyone else is wrong that don't use the King James Bible. That's what he said. I don't dislike the King James Bible. I don't at all. I don't. I can read it and understand it. It's got a lot of these and thou's. You know what I mean? Can I tell you how crazy I am? I'm just crazy enough to think that the Lord can use the New Living Translation or the NIV or the New King James Version or on and on. I'm just crazy enough to think that the message that He wants to have me deliver and that which He wants to convey to me, He can use whatever He wants to use. Think about this for a second God doesn't even need a Bible. He can just tell me directly. I need the Bible. I need it. You need it. But if God wants to bring a message through me, he can do whatever he wants to do. But we're so wrapped up in how things look. We're so wrapped up in trying to fit people in a mold. And I'm just telling you right now, that's not at all who God is. Why do we do that? Can I tell you why we do it for... We do it because it makes people feel comfortable. We do. It makes people feel comfortable to know what's coming next. Let me ask you a question. The song that we sang earlier, you know, I'll Fly Away and those fun songs. Let me ask you a question. How did you feel singing that song? It felt familiar to you, didn't it? You'd know the song. It took you back to a time where it was familiar, when it was familiar and it was something, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with feeling that familiar until you get to the place where your familiar won't allow God to do a new thing. Are you with me? Right up until your familiar won't allow God to do what he's wanting to do in someone else's life. Right up until your familiar says, if you don't dress this way, talk this way, act this way, you're not a a safe person. Now, obviously, God has us. He loves us individually. He's working with us individually. But the reality is that he works with us individually. And he doesn't want anyone to be in a mold of what everyone thinks that a follower of Jesus should be. And that is what ticked people off. And can I tell you something? That is why he died. Because he refused He refused to bow down to those that were religious in the day. He did. He loves us individually. He doesn't want to shove us into some religious mold. And finally, I want to tell you this. Jesus' resurrection made way for your resurrection. Jesus' resurrection made way for your resurrection. Because of what Jesus did, because of his sacrifice, we too Can be resurrected. Our lives can be resurrected. Resurrected from a life of fear and shame and mediocrity and guilt and failure. Your life can be resurrected. We can be free because God wants us to be free. We can be free because of what Christ has done. And like Corinthians says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has come. Can I ask you a question? If you leave here today the same way that you came in. If you leave here today the same way you came in. And troubles hit your life. Let's say troubles have hit your life and someone said, hey, you have your homework? No, I know that it was just an assignment that I didn't have. But there's bigger troubles that hit our life, isn't there? Isn't there bigger troubles that hit our life? And oftentimes when those troubles hit our life, we get knocked over because we're unprepared. We get get knocked down. We get discouraged and upset, and all of these things begin to happen to us. And do you know what we're really like in that case? See, if you don't have the backbone, when I say that Christ changed my entire life, he changed my entire life. And if you don't have that foundation, if you don't have that foundation, do you know what your life's going to be like? It's going to be like you're a fifth grader on your hands and knees searching through that desk looking for something that you know you don't have because you don't have the foundation. You're going to be looking for something you know you don't have. Jesus' resurrection made way for our resurrection. I want to briefly go through these real quick. I don't want anyone to leave here without understanding what Christ's plan is for us. Romans 3.23 says, everyone has sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God's standards. That means everyone. Can we say everyone? Everyone. Romans 5.12 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone. Again, everyone. Everyone. And God, Romans 5, 8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. And here's the key part, while we were still sinners. Romans 10, 9-10 says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And then the best news of all, in Romans 10, 13, it says, for everyone, say it again, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's that simple for you, and it's that simple for me. And if you've never made that decision, I want to encourage you to make that decision today. Maybe when we're starting to sing, you want to come down front and tell me. Maybe there's someone beside you, you can tell them. But if you've never made that decision, I'm here to tell you I literally should probably be a four or five times married alcoholic. All right? From my family lineage, that's where but God entered my life. And here I am. Am I perfect? No. I've already shown that today. But I can tell you this. I know God loves me individually. I know that he loves me so much individually that he's not trying to shove me through some religious mold that some people try to put on me. And he's walking with me daily. And because of his resurrection, I had my life resurrected. And you can too. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you are a God that loves us to the point (laughs) where we literally cannot comprehend the fact that you came and you died for us. Lord, thank you so much for the fact that you do not love us as a group. You love us individually. It's not a general love. It's a specific love just for us, for our life, for our situation, for who you have made us to be. Thank you, Lord, that you don't try to shove us into some religious mold, God. But what you do is, is you walk and you guide and you direct us. God, thank you so much, Lord, that your resurrection brought forth our resurrection. That we, too, can begin again. That we, too, can have a clean slate. That we, too, can start over. And, God, my prayer today is that there's people here who need a new start Lord, I pray that they would make that right now, that decision right now. I pray that they would do and they would experience what only you can have them experience. And so, God, as we begin and as we as we watch this short video and as we as we sing this song, my prayer is is that people would realize that you literally can, you literally can make graves and you can make them into gardens. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.